You're too kind. Thank you so much. It's lovely to be here again. If you weren't here in the first session, we missed you. Uh, but it's lovely that you're here for the second one. Nice to see you. There's so many young people, you know, just here. That's amazing, isn't it? You should be, I mean, guys. There is, there is hope for the future when guys like you are in the church, you know, so that's phenomenal. Uh, in, in January uh, 2020, I went to Kansas and I spoke at a church on the evening that they were in the playoffs and they got through and they went on to win the Super Bowl. So I'm just hoping that today I am bringing some luck your way, okay? So, <laughs> uh, well, we'll see. If it doesn't go, if it goes badly, don't blame me though, okay? That's the thing. Blame your quarterback. Okay. Uh, <laughs> sorry. You always worry, you know, when you go to other countries and you say something that completely offends people. I travel all over the world and I'm always slightly nervous that, you know, something's going to go wrong sometime soon, but it's great. It's, it's wonderful to see God at work, not just here, but uh, my wife and I, a number of years ago, about three years ago, we had the joy of going to Borneo, uh, which is one of the islands of Malaysia. And we spoke at a conference there. It was beautiful. And then they, they put us, we did a four-hour drive into the rainforest. And then we did a three-hour boat ride up right into the deep rainforest. Saw orangutans. There was no electricity, no phone signal. Oh, my goodness. And we met with a tribe of ex-headhunters who had found Jesus. God is at work here, there, and everywhere, you know, where people have given their lives, sacrificed their time, traveled to other nations, prayed for other people, and seen breakthrough. And so that's why I'm passionate about breakthrough, passionate about prayer, because, because as I said this morning in the last session, and I was quoting a guy called Arthur Wallace, every great revival is born out of prayer. It is sustained by prayer and it brings forth more prayer. Wherever we see God at work around the world, breaking through into lives, into communities, into towns, into cities, we see praying people. So I'm gonna talk about the least impressive part of prayer today for this session. You might think, why are we here, Brian, in a minute? But we're gonna talk about perseverance if that's okay with you, because I believe that perseverance is one of the keys to seeing stuff happen. Let's read Romans 12, verse one to two. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It's interesting that we see right at the beginning of Romans 12, one of the best chapters, I think, in the Bible. If you can have a favor, I love it. Uh, in verse two, where, it, where Paul says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world. And when I was young, grew up in Northern Ireland, the pattern of this world was don't drink, don't smoke, don't, you know, don't go to the cinema, don't play cards at the devil's cards, you know, all that kind of stuff. Very, you know, about that kind of stuff. But the patterns of this world, I would put to you, are some of those things, but they are also more subtle. The patterns of this world are consumerism, 
We all know, you know, you only need to get one iPhone and within six months' time they're telling you it's rubbish and you need another one. You know, they just feed us with this kind of desire for more stuff all the time. And we kind of buy into it, me too. You know, so I'm not, I'm not here, you know. There's, there's other things that we learn. I don't know if you've ever watched, uh, we have this thing in England called Strictly Come Dancing or Stars on Ice or X Factor or, uh, you know, or we have like buttons, don't we now? And we, you know, how many likes do you get when you post a reel or you do something on TikTok and all that? We, we <laughs> if some of you don't know what I'm talking about, there are others who do, okay. <laughs> So you've, not only do you have this pattern of the world that's materialism, you have this other pattern of the world, which is, if I'm, if I'm honest, is judgmentalism. We're, we're taught to judge in, in a way, you know, where it's, where, especially in James where it says mercy triumphs over judgment. You know, we're taught to vote or don't like the way he's, I mean, I don't even, I can't ice skate, okay? And now I'm watching people dancing on ice and I'm saying, oh, they're not very good. I don't have a clue. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I don't have a clue, but all of a sudden I've become an expert in dancing on ice because I'm watching it. Or I can't sing, but you know, watching X Factor way back, and you're like, I'm making judgment calls on who should get through and who shouldn't. Does that, you know, and then I'm like, I'm looking, you know, you put a photo up on Instagram and it's really cool, and you think that's a beautiful sunset, and four people like it. And then I put a photograph up of a donut, and about 20 million people like it, and I'm thinking, I don't understand anymore. What's going on? And we're learning this whole world of judgmentalism and consumerism. But we also, there's another pattern of this world that we must not be conformed to. And I'm, this is the one that I think will affect us as disciples and will affect us in breakthrough. It's this, it's immediacy, immediacy. Now, if I want to uh, change my television channel, I press a button, okay? If I, if I can't find that remote control, I search for the remote control. In the old days, you used to get up and walk around and you'd press a button on the television. We don't do that anymore. If I'm, if, some of you don't even watch television anymore. If I'm on my laptop and it, the photos don't load quick enough, I want to throw it against the wall, not because I have anger issues, but I get a little impatient. And so we, you know, if you're watching something on YouTube and it starts to buffer, you're like, ah, oh, oh my goodness. Is this just me? Have I got... Okay, good, I'm just checking, just checking in with you there. And so we live in this culture where we get things quickly, immediately. If you wanted to fly to New York this evening, you could. If you wanted to fly to London tomorrow, you could. You'd have to pay for it, but you could. If you wanted to get a credit card, you could. You know, we can get things quickly and, it, and it's, it's pervasive and it's crept into our culture. And Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. And I believe that if we're going to grow in prayer and if we are truly going to see breakthrough, we need to learn the art of perseverance in a culture of immediacy. We need to learn the art of perseverance in a culture of immediacy. Brian, why not call it the power of perseveration or, or the discipline of perseveration? <laughs> Perseveration, sorry, I'm losing my English. I'm just like, I'm from England and I've forgotten how to speak it. It's a nightmare. I'm letting down the motherland. And, uh, <laughs> sorry. I, I'm in my own little world sometimes. I'm not even really trying to be funny. I'm just like, I don't know, I just get lost. Uh, I want to call it the art of perseverance because perseverance is beautiful. And when we see true perseverance, we see true beauty. 
I'm going to tell you some stories, if that's okay with you, just to help us understand perseverance. And I'm going to be personal, so I'm going to talk about my own life, and I hope that's okay with you. I'm, I'm British, so we're not very good at this sort of thing, a stiff upper lip and all of that, but you, we're going to go there. I was born a long time ago in 1970. Uh, I've got four brothers. And when my, uh, we, my father moved to England when I was 10. When I was 11, my mother died of ovarian cancer. Very sudden, diagnosed in the January, dead by March. Very, very sudden. My parents had thought she was going to be healed, they'd prayed, all of that. They, they hadn't, you know, and, and they had much faith that this was all going to happen. And I came home from school one day and I was told, unexpectedly, your mother's passed away, me and my brothers. And it was a very difficult and challenging time, as you can well imagine, for an 11-year-old to lose your mother. And, you know, guys as well, I'm just going to say out there, if you're older and you lost a parent when you were younger and you just think everybody just expects me to have got over it by now, it still hurts from time to time, and that's okay. God sees it, God loves it, God's there with you in your pain at those birthdays and at those celebrations. He knows when, the, when a parent isn't there, and he, he can be your father and your mother. He can do all things and sustain you. So I'm just calling that out to some of us who are older and we lost parents when we were younger. You still feel the pain from time to time. So anyway... 11 years old, I, I was, grew up in church, and by the time I was 15, I, uh, I started to struggle with my faith, and I became a bit involved in drugs, and, and, then, and very involved in drugs, and then I was expelled from school, from sick form college when I was 18 years old, I was asked to leave, I ended up homeless, I was uh, two years living to two years living in a car, not just a car, different types of cars and things. Anyway, it was homeless. You just made do with what you would do. I was very uh, broken, as you can imagine, and uh, I eventually ended up in prison. So I went to prison four times, okay? And uh, it was a very challenging and difficult time for me as an 18-year-old until I was 20. And when I was 20, I was sitting in a probation hostel, uh, where you go for rehabilitation and, and group therapy. And someone had given me a Bible. And I read Isaiah 59. And I, and I was just sitting there one day saying, God, my life's a mess, an absolute mess. I need you. If you are real, save me. Now, I had always thought I was saved. I just said, you know, because like once saved, always saved. And I felt that I was just having a difficult time. Very difficult. And I said, God, if you're real, save me. And I read a Bible, I opened up Isaiah 59, and the first thing it says is this, is the arm of the Lord so short that it cannot save? Is his ear too dull to hear? Meaning, God can reach in anywhere. God can hear anyone, and he can change lives. And I broke on my bed, and I cried, and I gave my life to Jesus, and here I am today, 32 years later. So, and I don't... <laughs> it's okay. And I never really wanted to become the guy who wheeled out his testimony because, you know, it was a few moments of madness. I, and normally I don't do it, but I just felt I would this morning because I think it's important. And what you have to understand is from the moment that I backslid until the moment I found Jesus, my dad prayed for me every single day. He would come and visit me in prison, seeing no change whatsoever, and he would pray. And he would pray. And he would pray. 
And then at the same time, I've got an older brother when he obviously struggled with his faith as well. And he fell away from the Lord, but he wasn't as stupid as me. <laughs> he, he just struggled with life and, you know, kind of bumbled along and, you know, had a few problems and life didn't go really well for him. And 30 years later, 3-0, 30 years later, he gave his life back to Jesus. And it's, yeah. I was really pleased and still am. He's still walking with Jesus today. Who here is younger than 30? It's cool, you guys, brilliant. <laughs> Don't worry, uh, there's some people I'm thinking, yeah, put your hand down. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> no one would lie in church, you know. Anyway, you all, you all look about between 30 and 45 in my eyes. And uh, so you've got to understand that my, when I said to my dad, I said, uh, isn't it great that my brother's come back to Jesus? And he said, I prayed for him every single day. Every single day. So my dad prayed for longer than you guys had been alive and didn't see anything happen. 30 years. Broken marriage, depression, alcoholism. Keep praying. Son Brian in prison, come visit him in prison. Keep praying, keep praying. And he learnt the art of perseverance in a culture of immediacy. He kept praying. He kept praying. And if there's something that we're, we're going to see breakthrough, we're going to have to learn to be the people who keep praying, who don't give up. Because it's in that that we see real breakthrough. The culture of immediacy is pervasive. People will walk away from their faith when they don't see answers quickly. The children of Israel were 400 years in slavery before Moses came and liberated them. 400 years. There were people who prayed prayers and they didn't see them answered while they were alive, but they didn't stop praying them. And then when we read in the New Testament, we see these kind of beautiful moments of suddenly... And most suddenlies are precipitated by a constantly. Constantlies lead to suddenlies. They constantly met together in prayer. When we constantly pray, there are these suddenly moments. And I live for suddenly moments. I live for breakthrough. I believe that when we pray for healing, people should be healed and I'm expecting them to be healed. I believe that when we pray for the lost who have backslidden to return to Jesus, it's gonna be instant. But if it doesn't happen, I am gonna remain constant in my prayers and continue to pray for them so that I will see breakthrough suddenly comes from the people who are willing to be constantly praying, constantly. The breakthrough will come to those who are constant, constant in our prayers. Ephesians 6 verse 18 says, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Keep on praying, don't give up, keep on praying. Don't give up. Spurgeon, who you will know this morning, is a f I'm a fan. As a citizen of your country, benefits from your intercession. As a neighbour to others, those who live nearby should fall under the shadow of your supplication. As a friend, your companion should be bathed in your prayers. As a family member, you should always have a flame of prayer burning for your kin. <laughs> Keep praying. 
constantly, suddenly, not just for those that have walked away, but keep praying constantly so that we see breakthrough in our nation, breakthrough in our town, breakthrough in our schools, in our workplaces. But we've got to be the people who are constant in this. Like Jacob, who wrestled with our Lord in Genesis 32, verse 26, he said this, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I will not let you go unless you bless me. And I know we know this is a story of perseverance and wrestling, but there's also something else that happens in the midst of this, that God gives him a new name. And God affects the way he walks. If you learn to be the people of constantly, if you learn to be the people of perseverance, God will do something with your identity. He's no longer Jacob, but Israel. God did something in his identity. If we learn to be the people who do not give up, God will do something in our walk. He walked with a limp. People noticed him. They could see that he was different. They could see that he had wrestled with God. It's a bit like the disciples, whenever they went before the Sanhedrin and they said, they took note that these men had been with Jesus. When we see the people who wrestle, the people who don't give up, there is something that rests upon their lives that looks different. My wife and I used to, we led a work in Ibiza, Spain. It's uh, just off the coast of Barcelona, small island. It's like spring break, 169 days a year. At one point, it had more pubs, clubs and bars per square mile than anywhere else in all of Europe. Uh, so we, we planted a work right in the middle of that. We took our two sons and did that. And one night, we, and we prayed. You know what we did for the first year? We just walked around the outside of the town and prayed. Every day we prayed. Every day we prayed. And one night we were out on the streets and we used to go up to people and we used to offer to pray for them. And this big man ran up to my wife, who's a beautiful, petite, little English woman. And he ran up to her and he went, have you come to save my soul? And he, she was like, that's a very strange question. She's cleverer than me. She, you know, a good evangelist, always question with a question. So she asked him, she said, why would you say that? And he said, my friend, John, he's a Christian and you look just like him. Now, my wife does not look like a man. <laughs> Just get that out there. <laughs> I should have, should have brought a photo. I snorted then, didn't I? I should have brought, I should have brought a, uh, a photo. I've got some, but anyway, it doesn't matter. And uh, just to prove it, but it doesn't really matter. What happened was that he had noticed something. She'd been with Jesus. She'd been praying. And when people pray... People see something resting on your life. They see something that's different. They notice something upon you that's different. Another evening, Tracy, that's her name, and another girl were out, and they, they went up to these group of girls who were on a hen do. Do you get them? Bachelorette, is that what you call it? Yeah, bachelorette. And they were all dressed in devil's outfits. Weird as you like. I don't know if that happens in America, but you know, they're all dressed up and they're all out. And so they go up and they say, we'd like to pray for you. Because like, we want God to bless marriages, don't we? Yeah, cool, two people. Yep, so... Uh, <laughs> So Tracy said, like, who's the bride? And they started to pray for the bride. They said, can we pray for you? And she said, yeah, we'd love you to pray. So they're praying for the bride. Remember, this is, in a, this is outside a, a, a pub or a, a club in, in the middle of Spain. They pray for the bride and she starts to cry. And they say, her friends come, what are you doing making her cry? What are you doing making her cry? And her friend, the girl who was crying said, it's not her making me cry. It's God in her. And there's something about the people who pray and hold on and persevere that people start to see something different in your life. They start to notice that you've been with Jesus. They know that you've wrestled with God. 
And so, <laughs> behind every history that is seen, there is always a secret history. Every great revival that has ever been, every outpouring of the Spirit, every breakthrough in evangelism, behind every history that is seen, there is always a secret history of people who have prayed, who have not given up. My friend Chris, he was a DJ in, in Ibiza, this island that we lived on, and one day he gave his life to Jesus. He lived with us and he gave his life to Jesus. And we had the wonderful opportunity of baptizing him in the Mediterranean Sea, which, you know, really looks good on your photos. You're in the med and if you get it right and the sun behind him as he comes up, there's a spray of water behind him and it just looks beautiful, you know, light. We don't, sorry, that's really shallow, isn't it? I'm kind of making it sound like it's all about the, all about the clicks, but it's not. So anyway, baptized him, up he gets. Absolutely amazing. Everybody's saying, isn't it phenomenal that, you know, the work that you're doing has led Chris to Jesus? And uh, the reality is his mother prayed for him for 32 years that he would come to know Jesus. She had done the work of constantly and I'd enjoyed the benefits of suddenly. But you have to learn to be the people of constantly, to keep praying to not give up. My father prays, he prevails in prayer. He keeps going because he believes that something will happen. And if we don't see it instantly, don't give up. My challenge to you, just this group here of slightly younger people, don't give up, guys, don't give up. When you don't see it instantly, don't give up. Be, become renowned as a people who persevere for your friends, for your schoolmates, for your college mates. Don't give up. Please don't give up. You will see breakthrough in your lifetime. Just don't give up. To us that are older and you've been praying for your adult child who's walked away from faith, don't give up. Your husband who hasn't yet given his life to Jesus and he just thinks you're a bit weird, don't give up. The people that you know that are traveling around the world right now and you wish they'd have an encounter with Jesus, don't give up. Don't give up. You look around sometimes at the state of our world and the school system, or you look at the brokenness in your own town, in your own neighborhood, and the homelessness and the, the lack of food for people, don't give up. Don't give up. If you want to see breakthrough, if the Heights wants to see breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough, don't give up. Don't give up. Keep praying. And you will see individual breakthrough and you will see corporate breakthrough if you don't give up. You keep praying. Jacob wrestled with the angel and he would not let it go. You know, Muhammad Ali said, the guy who always wins the, the fight is the one who always gets up every time he's knocked down. Always get up, keep getting up, keep getting up, keep going, keep going. Live your life with tenacious faith. Have tenacity to keep holding on and do not let go until you see the breakthrough because God is a God of breakthrough. God is a God who wants to see things happen, but there are gonna be times where you are gonna learn stuff in the hanging on, in the holding on. Just give you a little tool here as well in the last few minutes. It's the Lord's Prayer. Use it on a daily basis. It's a real good aid for perseverance, you know. In the, and Martin Luther said this, to this day, I'm still nursing myself on the Lord's Prayer like a child. And I'm still eating and drinking of it like an old man without getting bored of it. Use the Lord's Prayer as a way to help you pray daily and regularly for people. Jesus said, 
in Matthew 6, verse 9 to 13. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Matthew 6. 9 to 13. And you know, when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, he crafted this meticulous prayer that actually when you listen to it in ancient Aramaic, it rhymes. It's this kind of rhyming prayer. You know, and, and they, we, they're repeated daily by billions of people. And this prayer was given by Jesus for two different reasons. One, it was a model, the other, a map. As a model, the Lord's Prayer is the ultimate prototype to help you in persevering. Each line can be applied and can be expanded. You could live a life in the Lord's Prayer. When you look at it, each phrase of the Lord's Prayer becomes an invitation to embark upon our own personal adventures of adoration, petition, intercession, confession, and spiritual warfare. This is the call that we have whenever we embark on using the Lord's Prayer. You know, it's interesting. John's disciples said to him, <laughs> they, they had a prayer. John the Baptist's disciples, because Jesus' disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray in Luke 11, verse 1, just as John taught his disciples. It's interesting, isn't it, when you look at that? What's that all about? They weren't just asking for a few good prayer tips. They were also saying, we need a statement of faith, Jesus. Every rabbi has a prayer. So John the Baptist, his people, they have a prayer. This makes the Lord's Prayer the earliest Christian creed given to us by Jesus himself some three centuries before the Nicene Creed. And so, you know, it's a, a doctrinal foundation for life and faith, well worth repeating regularly. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's an easy way to build the Lord's Prayer into your life. We pray it every day at 24-7 prayer at lunchtime. And I know we don't want to get caught up in vain repetition, but the early church prayed it a lot. And they used it a lot. And they prayed three times a day. And my encouragement to you is to think about how do you persevere? Because I, 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 I can get you fired up about it, but I want to give you some practical tools for it. One of the things that I do, and this may not help you, but it helps me. I've got a little Bible here. It's my Bible. I only show this to teach you, not to impress you, is that I started saying to people, you know, I'll pray for you. And then when I said I'd pray for them, I decided I'd write a prayer down for them and then I'd write a name for them and then I'd pray it once a week. And, and you, like, this is a very non-digital format. <laughs> but so there's like, there's 300 people on here that I pray for every week that, because I don't want to, I want to persevere. But I, I incorporate the Lord's Prayer into praying for them, that, you know, that they would know his name, that they would, they would be forgiven. That they would, it's just a beautiful thing. So if you're struggling, I would I'd say write a list. Who are the 10 people you want to pray for regularly to see their lives transformed? Write a list. Write them down. Stick them in the front of your Bible. Pray them every day. Pray the Lord's Prayer every day so they remember to hallow his name every day. Remember to worship him every day. Bishop J.C. Ryle wrote this. It's far more easy to begin a habit of prayer than to keep it up. <laughs> Super. Thousands take up a habit of praying for a little season after some special mercy or special affliction and then little by little become cold and at last laid aside. Let us resist this feeling. <laughs> Whenever we feel it rising within us, let us resolve by God's grace that however poor and feeble our prayers may seem to be, we will pray on. And that's why God puts us in community. Because we spur one another on. 
We encourage one another. We help each other. It's just you on your own. You're going to struggle some days. But the minute you're in a church community, you get someone that comes and stands alongside you and helps you to pray, then it's much easier to persevere. So learn the Lord's Prayer because it will help you perfect an art of perseverance in a culture of immediacy. Write lists in whatever way you do. Could be photographic, could be on your phone, could be in a multiple different way, but commit yourself to constantly and you will see suddenlies. If you just live for the suddenly, it kind of gets a bit frustrating. But if you live in the realm of the constantly, you will see breakthrough. You will see breakthrough. Don't give up. Jacob wrestled with the angel and he did not give up and he saw breakthrough. So my challenge to you today is that you would be a people of the constantly, that you would not give up. I'm just going to ask you to do something, then we're going to pray. Or some, uh, if right now you feel, you know what, I want to see a breakthrough in someone's life right now, I, I, I'm going to invite you and I, know, I don't know if you do this a lot, I'm not, I'm not being here before, okay? And I'm, I don't want to embarrass anybody or anything like that, but I'm not going to invite you down the front. I'm going to invite you to stand, because I want to pray. I want you to look at me and think, this man used to be in prison, and he was homeless, and he was a drug addict, and his dad prayed constantly, and now God's using him, not because I'm special, because God's special. And if you've got someone you know who's away from the Lord, and you'd like to see them come back to know him, and you've been feeling a little bit like, oh, I want to give up. And I want to ask you to stand because I want to pray for you. Yeah, I thought so. I'm standing with you. I'm standing with you. Don't feel any pressure if you're not standing. It's okay. I'm going to pray for the spirit of perseverance. And I'm going to pray that we're going to see some suddenlies. Is that Okay. But if we don't see them, we're going to constantly keep going. Is that okay? Great. Father, we've called today breakthrough. And so often, Lord, we could think that breakthrough is about us. We want to show you our hearts, Lord. We want you to break through in the lives of those we love. Lord, I pray right now for the mothers in this room whose sons and daughters are not walking with you, that they would see breakthrough. God, I pray for those of us that are looking for breakthrough in school with friends, in college with friends, at work. Lord, for those of us that desire breakthrough in a, in a spouse right now, God, I pray that we would see that happen. God, we stand here committing to be the people of the constantly, but we ask you for suddenly. Lord, we ask that in the next days and weeks we would see breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough in the lives of those we love. Lord, that we would see breakthrough in this nation, that we would see breakthrough in our town, that we would see breakthrough in our family. Come, Lord Jesus, and breakthrough into the lives of those we love. We ask You for more suddenlies and we let You know that we will give ourselves no rest until we see Your Kingdom come, until we see it established in the lives of those around us, we will not give up. We are gonna hold on to You and wrestle You 
until we see breakthrough, not because you're reticent to give it, because you're a loving Father, and we are gonna hang on to you until we see sudden and instant breakthrough in the lives of those we love. So come Lord Jesus, by your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' Name, Amen.